0: And welcome to once more with commentary. We're a Buffy and Angel podcast. Um, I'm Ginny. I'm Allie, and we've got some cool episodes to talk about this week. Yeah, I'm. You know what? Not dreading talking about Angel for the first yes, time in weeks. That was <laughs> what I was to say. <laughs>
1: it wasn't bad. <laughs> I think I kind of like prematurely like shaded it a little bit last week. Yeah, but I because I just didn't know what it was about. Was like into it.
0: Yeah, and more importantly, we get the second part of the two-part Buffy Faith body swap um, mm-hmm. episodes. Uh, this one is called "Who Are You." It's the better of the two, which I I, I really think in my memory I didn't know which one ended wh- like where they where the first one ended and the second one started. But this one is definitely my favorite of the two. I mean, I like the other one too, but obviously, all the all the fun stuff happens in this episode.
1: Well, this one actually <laughs> contains the body swap. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I um. I also think we should pronounce it the way Riley says it, which is, who are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, how's how's your week going? How was your week?
1: It's been good. I've been on this, like, well, I'm, I'm always on a quest to, like, get back in shape. Um, mm-hmm. But I, like, have been doing this, like, um, 30-day yoga challenge. Mm. Um, well, I don't know if that's the challenge part. I'm just doing a 30-day yoga series. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> And I'm on day like 26 so I'm okay. very proud of myself. Although I've also been doing a 30-day squat challenge. Mm. Uh let's just say I may have pulled a muscle. So okay. I'm like I'm like fine, but every time I like sit down or stand up I'm like right. This is why it's so easy to not get in shape because it's more comfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: But no, like I've just been I don't know. It I mean like I'm pretty active. Like I walk and stuff, but like, you know, every now and then I feel like you've got to kinda like buckle down and like yeah. do some exercise. It's like the worst part of getting older is you have to like take care of yourself. I don't like it. Yeah. How about you? How are you doing?
0: You know <laughs> I'm fine actually. I had a pretty good week, other than the fact that it's still like ridiculously cold here and I'm really fed up with it. Um I had family visiting at the beginning of the week so it was busy. I feel like it's been two. like I feel like I've lived two weeks in the one week but just because I was doing so many things but um, I'm excited for the weekend. I'm also as I mentioned to you uh, waiting for my food delivery to still come normally I'm a little bit better uh, prepared than this but there's probably going to be an awkward break in this episode where we pause so that I could go answer the door and then put my food in the fridge so that we can finish recording
1: it's gonna be our new segment. Jenny answers the doorbell and gets food. <laughs> yep.
0: I've also I always silence my phone when we record, but I've got it on just in case. Like, you never you never know with food
1: yeah. delivery. Well, you um, know, you could also bring in the delivery person as a
0: guest. <laughs> I am not gonna do that. <laughs> They're like vampires. They don't cross the thresh. They don't cross the threshold. <laughs> they never come in the door. That's true. So they're not invited. Just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not invited, but it sounded meaner when I said it. Oh, I um, thought you were
1: making a Buffy reference. I was, and then, oh, okay.
0: but then I was like, oh, that just sounds, it sounds like I'm a jerk being like, you're not invited. But also, like, why would the, they're doing a job? And they I think could, we they all get it get on their way. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I got in my head about that one after I said it.
1: Okay, so let's get into
0: um, who are you? Oh no, you know what I want to talk about for like one second before we do that is okay. as everybody maybe knows that i <laughs> a lot of my thoughts sometimes are things that aren't actually my thoughts but they're alex's thoughts and then i just say them and pretend like they were my ideas uh but last last week's episode, you basically
1: like never pretend like they're yours that's true you always, I almost always them with them saying credit. that they're alex's i think that well, truly you should just say them as yours i should i guess credit. i am
0: probably not Giving him credit for all of them, but you're you're right. I guess your I, jerk I, cred
1: for like telling the delivery guy that he can't come in is yeah. like really going down.
0: <laughs> um, okay, well, what all I'm trying to say is that Alex had more thoughts about last week's episode, and I, mm. I mean, I guess I could have done this at the end of the episode, but it seems more time like it seems like it makes more sense to talk about it before we get into these other episodes. But basically, uh, I think this is a decent point. I you know I feel like we were really struggling with the prodigal in particular. Um, in terms of like, what's the, what is the point of this episode of like, what are the themes here? And like, why are there all these dads that are like sort of bad, but sort of not and blah, blah, blah. But his thought was that as I, I feel like we were also, we were particularly struggling to draw any analogy between Angel's dad and Kate's dad and, um, his, his, oh, hold on one second while I go into the door.
1: We have now entered dis- the Ginny answers the door segment of this episode. Are you going to tell us what you got for dinner?
0: Uh, yeah, I just we just got I just got um, ramen from the sushi oh. place that we ordered sushi from. That sounds really good. It's I mean it's not like amazing, but they have a beef kimchi one that's like oh you throw enough flavors in there and it's pretty good. So, and also soup seemed like unlike a burger that I really wanted. Soup is gonna like reheat okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we're done.
1: Um, okay, so let's hear about Alex's deep cut
0: thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, so his deep cut thought was basically that the actual parallel is between Angel and Kate's dad. Um, and the first time he explained it to me, it was like the most genius thing I'd ever heard. Now I like only sort of remember it, um, what his point was. Although he did write us an email, which was helpful. Um, but I, he, he's saying that like, oh, basically that Kate's, dad and Angel are both people who, like, made poor decisions about how to handle their family. <laughs> Maybe caused pain to the other members of their family. Something to that effect.
1: I just so think it, it made a lot Angel more sense that... is the prodigal son and Kate's father is the prodigal father?
0: I'm or? not... Draw, I can't explain the title to you. But just more so that rather than trying to make sense of, like, what is what are the... Parallels between Angel's dad and Kate's dad. I think it. I do think that it makes more sense that the, the parallels are between Angel and Kate's dad, especially in as it relates to Kate, which I was not uh, prone to examine because I was really trying to not think about Kate and how things affected her. Anyway, well, I thought it, thought it was makes an sense interesting in the way
1: of Angel trying to prevent her father from making, making mis- mistakes. Yeah. I guess. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I thought it was interesting, and I definitely think. At least on some levels, it makes more sense than whatever I was trying to explain.
1: Anyway. I mean, we didn't get it. So. We didn't get it. I feel like we
0: said that. We were like, I don't know. There's something. <laughs> Not, we don't need to get into the whole thing again.
1: Yeah. No, I, I feel like I'd rather focus on yeah. um, this week's episode of Angel, which I, I actually um, surprised myself by enjoying. So mm-hmm. are you ready to get into who are you? Yes. I'm going to keep saying it that yeah. way. <laughs> only because i really like riley's delivery or mark blukas i suppose his delivery of that line when he's like talking to buffy as faith um Mm -hmm. okay so this is the second continuation episode of this two-parter of um this year's girl and who are you um and at the end of the last episode we see faith use this device that the mayor had left her to switch bodies with Buffy. Mm -hmm. So this episode is all about what happens when Faith is in Buffy's body. So at the beginning of the episode, like, you know, it's the aftermath of the big fight that they had. The police come and they take Buffy away. And I'm gonna use try when I remember to use (laughs) the correct names here. It's, like, very confusing in my brain because, like, the visuals don't match. Right. Yeah. Anyway, you guys get it. So, um... They take Buffy away and Faith is left with Joyce and, you know, basically takes full advantage. Like she's pretending to be Buffy, like practicing Buffy's self-righteous because it's wrong, (laughs) um, which we've. I don't know if we've ever seen Buffy do that but anyway um, (laughs) she also takes Joyce's credit card and books a plane ticket out of the country so she's like fully planning to flee she gives Buffy kind of a like faith-esque makeover you know full Mm -hmm. leather all black like heavy makeup and um and then heads out to go to Giles's house and where she finds out that um in fact Buffy had been taken by the police, but then had been intercepted by the Watchers Council. Mm-hmm. So, the Watchers Council has arrived to take who they assume is Faith back to England and nice somehow rehabilitate her. I suppose, although this sounds way less fun than like a rehab stint. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they it sounds like they plan to like torture and reprogram her. But mm-hmm. um, so Buffy finds this out, but. In the meantime, like everybody's still worried about Adam, so she says she's gonna go patrol, but she goes to the Bronze where she's, you know, typical Faith, like dancing up storm, like you know, hang, like enjoying all the attention from the guys. She runs into Spike, who mm-hmm. they've never met, but this is the, you know, Spike is sort of. Um, grumpy with her because he thinks she's Buffy, and so Faith learns that one she's talking to Spike, and two that he has a chip in his head, and she very aggressively taunts <laughs> him about the fact <laughs> that he can't do anything to her. Yeah. Um, we will talk about that because yeah, a very interesting conversation. She also runs into Willow and Tara, who are at the Bronze, and Faith is kind of the first to pick up on like perhaps the dynamic between Willow and Tara is not just platonic. Mm-hmm. The- thing to come out of this is that Tara realizes that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. So she tells Willow that not only was um, Buffy mean to her, but Faith as Buffy also is like very clearly, if you can read the aura, Mm -hmm. like her energy is wrong. Like something's put where it doesn't belong. So Tara and Willow decide they're going to, operate a spell to go to the netherworld to figure out, like, what's going on. Um, in the meantime, Buffy escapes from the Watcher's Council. She goes to Giles, and she, you know, tells him that, no, I'm not Faith, I'm Buffy, and um, Giles kind of believes her after a bit, but also Tara and Willow show up to say, yes, this is Buffy, and corroborate her story. Exactly. And they've also conjured a device that can undo the mm-hmm. switch. In the meantime of all of this, after the bronze, Faith goes to Riley's because, like, she gets the idea, like, well, I'm going to go sleep with Buffy's boyfriend, Mm -hmm. which she proceeds to do. It's really uncomfortable for Faith because Riley says he loves her, Mm -hmm. and it's obviously like a different dynamic than Faith is used to. So she gets kind of upset, and Riley obviously doesn't know what's going on. So the next day, Faith is fleeing the country, and... She sees a report on the TV that a bunch of vampires have taken over a church and are holding uh, parishioners hostage. Buffy sees it too, so they both converge on the church where they battle these vampires that have come to the church, but they also then battle each other. Mm -hmm. Buffy is able to switch them back, and um, Faith escapes, and then Buffy and Riley have to confront the fact that he slept with someone who wasn't Buffy. Right. Um, I also want to mention the vampires were there because Adam sent them. Right. But really, Adam is like just whatever. a sacrifice. Yeah. So whatever. I'm not going to dwell on that. But that's the episode. So it ends, you know, Faith has come and gone, but she's left, obviously, devastated yeah, and yeah. awake, as per usual.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess the other... not. This is his own topic, obviously, that is worth us delving into, but it's not just that she leaves a wake of destruction in her path. Faith also definitely hits a turning point in her own self. Like she does Mm -hmm. like the fact that she goes to the church. Well, we should just save that for, well, I don't know. Do you want to jump into that? Or we want to save that for down the line. Cause I think like faith's personal growth in this episode is really important. It's kind of, in my eyes, the actual main thing that comes out of this episode. In addition to the, like, like, yeah, Buffy and Riley are going to have some problems, but it's not going to be like a season long, Problem for them the way that like faith is going faith is this is making a this makes a permanent impact on faith's life.
1: No, as much as we were talking about how last week Faith was kind of on the edges of the story, mm-hmm. this week she's very much in the middle of it. And this is, even though she's got Buffy's face, this is very much a story about Faith. Mm-hmm. And I think the title really goes really well with this mm-hmm. because it's also like, wait, who are you? You switched bodies. But also from Faith's perspective, it's kind of like an internal question of, wait, who are you? Yeah. Because, what you, yeah. you know, she starts out the episode like kind of going through the motions of like Almost like mockingly portraying Buffy, like you know, Definitely what she's mockingly. doing like on purpose. Yeah, yeah I would because say because it's wrong, mockingly. or yeah. you know, um, remembering that she's supposed to go save people, and like she kind of blows off the um, patrolling for Adam, but then at the Bronze, you know, she has to save a um, girl from a vampire. Save a girl. Yeah, exactly. And she and the the girl says thank you, and Faith is a little bit confused. Like people don't usually thank her for things, and mm-hmm. she's as she's interacting with people as Buffy and being treated the way they treat Buffy, which to be fair, they would have treated faith that way. Had she not been faith about it. Um, You know, it kind of starts to sort of change her perspective a little bit where she she starts to understand of Buffy as this righteous person before, but she starts to understand how good it can feel. Like we go from her shrugging off Joyce's hug at the beginning Mm -hmm. to like kind of this met like this, transition she takes and then you know i think the interaction with riley is the most um illuminating for her where you know she's approaching this situation of she's come to seduce buffy's boyfriend but she's trying to make it as like casual like non as non-intimate as possible Mm -hmm. right like she's referring to buffy as like this body Mm -hmm. which is maybe also because, like, she's... it's not her body. <laughs> it's not her body, but yeah. but she's kind of referring to herself as this thing that Riley's going to do with as he pleases. Yeah. Which Riley, because we know Riley, like, he's a little he's bit interest- extremely confused yeah. by that, but also, like, that's not his thing. Yeah. Like, he's, he's like, not we're not, really not going to play. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, like, this intimate moment in a way that Faith, like, hasn't ever had. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she's so thrown, I think, by that interaction. But also when Riley says, I love you, and her first response is... What do you want with her? Yeah. Like, not me, but she's thinking of Buffy. Yeah. I
0: mean, and Because is, she
1: hasn't stopped to consider that, like, sex isn't this, like, transactional thing. Yeah. You know, like, Buffy's really in a relationship with this, you know, guy who's saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a turning point. But also, I think then you see in her... I didn't mention she runs into Forrest on her way out of right. uh, his house. And, you know, Forrest is kind of upset because he thinks Buffy is, like... Basically taking over Riley's life and kind of lashing out about it, but Faith kind of gets sucked into this drama and and then she's like, No, I don't care. No, I like she's like saying I don't care almost to like remind herself that like right. I don't care about this. Like I'm not here to like actually yeah. take over Buffy's life. I'm here to like play the role until I can get out of town.
0: Yeah. It is interesting too though because I don't, I don't know that it's just the Riley interaction is more powerful than everything else because at that point it's also been a buildup of like, it's Joyce, it's Willow, it's... But I think you could have easily swapped Riley and Joyce in that episode and that could have also been the thing that is like the final nail for her because I think it is more, it's more than just this one thing when she realizes things are different. It's that she's repeatedly getting showered with love and affection yeah. in a way that clearly Faith has never had. Like in that we know that because she's alluded to that stuff but I think it really comes to light in this episode when you're realizing like even these small things that like not not to say that Buffy takes it for granted per se but like the, I think yeah like when you have a loving household your life is just maybe easier and I don't know, but it, I think it. it yeah, it, I don't think it's I don't want to pin it all on Riley, even though that is clearly a very significant moment, because I think it was really also the build up and this like slow grating away at, at Faith's like hard exterior that like mm-hmm. she's learning that it also feels no, it feels good to have these interactions with people.
1: I think you're right. I think it's everything building up to it. Like, Riley's kind of the culmination of yeah. it. But, like, it, is, it is Joyce yeah. hugging her. It is Willow, like, getting righteous on her behalf. It's, well, and, like, you know, Willow also everything. saying that, like,
0: oh, I know you would never let anything happen to me. And it's, like, like Willow does say this, like, really offhand remark of, like, yeah, of course you would never let Faith hurt me. And Faith is kind of like, oh, I guess Buffy really would protect her friend. You know, I th- there's just so yeah. many small moments. and And big ones, but,
1: but... Well, and it's interesting because, you know, the big conflict for Faith, well, one of them of season three was, you know, feeling as though no one was ever going mm-hmm. to accept her because of like Buffy and, and Buff- Buffy had sort of the opposite, opposite fear of, you know, thinking that Faith is gonna come Faith in was and trying steal. to come and yeah. take over her life, which yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we <laughs> sort of see happen <laughs> yeah, here, that's a good point. but it's kind Both of, of them, interesting yeah. because Faith was always jealous of Buffy, but it's like, she never really considered why Buffy had the life that she had. hmm Except that you know she she turned it into this dichotomy of like I'm bad you're good and that's why but yeah. which is kind of the game she's playing at the beginning is like because it's good or you mm-hmm.
0: know I guess I just I I really like the particular transition that Faith makes in this episode I think it is a really interesting like for all of the that's what I wanted to say so like I think we we've seen this a lot in in Angel this season too where it's like sometimes the sh- the show and in this universe, they're so much better when they really focus on showing a, a concept rather than telling it. Mm. <laughs> and like, as every show is uh, true, <laughs> but I guess it's like particularly this episode really made me think about like the all the times, and I know that there's more in the future that they've tried to really make hit a hit some sort of psychological theory on the head with like, oh, like the id is this thing, and here's how we made it into mm, a very mm-hmm. literal demon or you know literal magic, but like this one is so much more subtle. I mean, it's not subtle cause like Buffy's not subtle, but, um, Buffy the show, but it is a much more nuanced take on like psychology and what motivates people. And they never name drop it. I'm like, that's, I think, you know, again, why this episode really stands out to m- me and my memory. I think it's one of my favorite episodes in the whole show, like watching, I was so happy to watch it. Everything about it, not everything except for Adam is pretty good about it, um, but yeah, but I really like this. Like they're really effectively showing us a concept and not just saying it and assuming that that's a stand-in for. <laughs> for
1: I know. I totally you. agree with you. I think that's why this works in a place where, say, beer bad doesn't. Now, yeah. to be fair, I... Yeah i want to throw uh, yeah. the show a bone and say beer bad was early in the season and i also feel like they're still trying to remind you like buffy's taking psychology like there's this other stuff and like they're yeah. trying to do this world building in a way that can sometimes get in the way of like effective storytelling well and
0: i'm i think that there's more stuff in the future that i'm gonna that's gonna bristle me more too because yeah. beer bad is also like it's just such a silly episode that like i'm not ever i'm never gonna be too mad about it like whatever <laughs> have your have your fun <laughs>
1: And I also going back to what you were saying about Faith's journey, I think you're right. I I love the journey in this episode. I think that's what makes this obviously the better of the two episodes, mm-hmm. but I also love that and we will see this continued on Angel like Faith's journey isn't done. Like right, she's right. kind of on a
0: she two steps forward, totally one dis- step that sh- yeah.
1: kind of journey. Like yeah, this isn't like sure. an overnight thing. It's just she's learned some small lessons. And 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 I think it's most powerful at the end of the episode when um she and Buffy are fighting, and yeah. Buffy's still in Faith's body, and, and Faith just is just
0: wailing on herself. Wailing yeah. on
1: herself, basically, and like saying all these things that are obviously not about Buffy. Yeah. Like it's this self-hatred that she gets to kind of express because her body is in yeah. front of her. And you kind of see all of, like, a lot of Faith's issues come from, like, self-hatred. Yeah. In a
0: way. I mean, this is why Faith and is a tragic being, figure. Yeah, and <laughs> for being neglected and not having those support networks around you. Like, of course, you know, it's not... You know, like, in the last episode, we had these dreams where Faith is imagining herself as the victim of Buffy. And, like, they're they're interesting, but you know that it doesn't really work because we know that the situations that she's imagining were never... True. But in this one, we again, we really do get to see the ways in which she I mean. Yeah, that her life has been hard and it has taken a toll on her. And I do think it's yeah, it's tragic. And I feel a lot of sympathy for her in this episode, whereas in that last one, you, I never really felt sad for her, you know.
1: But I also think it's a really good way to sort of highlight the risks of this whole Slayer enterprise. Of yeah. You know, they never have control over who becomes the Slayer.
0: You know, like, well, and they've put the zero stock like, in maintaining them mentally.
1: <laughs> well, right. Like at the beginning, Giles might have wished for a more
0: traditional,
1: um, traditional, like studious Slayer, but he got Buffy. But he learned to work with it. Whereas, like with Faith, they got kind of a loose cannon, and you know, Giles was never as dedicated to Faith as he could have been because Buffy was his primary concern because by the time Faith comes along he and Buffy already have this like pseudo father daughter relationship well, and yeah. every watcher that they sent for Faith was right. kind of a dud like Glenn and, and Post defense, to be evil and yeah. Wesley as much as we love Wesley was yeah. not a great watcher so But
0: and I mean in Giles's defense he wasn't supposed to have to take care of Faith for, uh, for anything no. other than a temporary time so No but
1: what I'm saying is like Faith never got the, like, right. she never attention got. she could have. Yeah. So, like, yes, she has these issues, but you're right. Like, nobody was caring about her mental state or even working well, around it or whatever.
0: And, obviously, there was one person who cared about her. It was the mayor. So, like, yeah. Like, her, her journey is, like, so... the the reason that she makes the choices, she she is poorly informed and there are like, I think again, in the last episode when we see her trying to like, she's trying to go Joyce with this, like, Oh, Buffy's not been around. Don't you see how she never really loved you? And it's like, obviously you're saying things that are just untrue. But I think for the most part, like it really, Faith's motivation and her decisions do make a lot of sense for her, where she is and the hand that she's kind of been dealt. Yeah. Like you keep getting these bum watchers, you, had a, a tough childhood you get here and you're outshone by this other person who who does have all these things that you've ever wanted and all the acceptance that you were have been craving so like it it makes a lot of sense that she's gonna run into the arms of the first person who actually does take the time to offer her those things right you know his own motivations aside he, yeah oh, well, well
1: i think it was opportunistic but also um i, I think it was genuine yeah
0: yeah. Yeah. Sincere is a better word. So I guess the so other thing. You, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing, the other reason that no I really, you, no you, <laughs> know you, let's be gentlemen about this. I'm Why gesturing don't you? to you very politely. <laughs> um, no one can see. The other reason that this episode, I think, really lands and it's also <laughs> is is the fact that Sarah Michelle Gellar is a good enough actress to pull this off. Because I think, oh my God! It, it's interesting okay. too that Jenny, like, it's yes, like this is yeah. We're on
1: the same wavelength. That's well, literally what I was gonna say. <laughs>
0: because because to our point, this is a a really important episode for faith. And if Eliza Dushku had had to carry the whole thing, it probably wouldn't have been nearly so poignant. And it, and it, it's just so obvious in this episode. You know, like Sarah Michelle Gellar is just like she is like wiping the floor with Eliza Dushku. Admittedly, she's not on screen as much, so like, sure. But and they, but it's like it's so obvious that like. Sarah Michelle Gellar, body as Faith, is doing so many small ticks that Eliza Dushku does when she's playing Faith. And it's just, like, so interesting and believable, and I really, every time I watch it, I just have so much fun watching her. And then you get to the scenes where Faith is playing Buffy, and it's like, well, they've clearly given her lines that are something that Buffy would say, but she's not doing anything else to make it feel like she's somebody else, you know what yeah. I mean? And she really so doesn't that was something carry it.
1: that I noticed where Sarah Michelle Geller does such a great job of mimicking Eliza Dushku's physicality, yeah. like her, her movements. Now, to be fair, I think Eliza Dushku has slightly more True. mimicable.
0: Because like, she's not as good of an stuff. actress.
1: yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. But she, but Sarah Michelle Geller, like is really, really doing nails something it. With like it. The, yeah. the idea that like Faith isn't that comfortable in her skin. So she's like constantly kind of agitated. And yeah, like, yeah. She kind of has that like, shoulder move down like she's yeah. really nailing it and like her kind of splaying herself everywhere and and to be fair some of that would probably acting choices by Eliza Dushku but Sarah Michelle Gellar just really nails it yeah, and then I also agree. like just the way she also plays Faith's delight yes, is just so yeah. well done like like every situation Faith encounters that moment where she recognizes oh this is going to be fun like yeah
0: yeah Sarah Michelle
1: Gellar just really brings a whole other level to this episode. And so much so that like you're, cause you're like looking at Buffy and then you hear like this really jarring dialogue come out of her mouth. Cause it's like Faith's poor grammar mm-hmm. and like her, you know, kind of like rougher um, attitude dialogue. Yeah. But also like, like that only lasts for a split second because the moment she's like moving around, she's moving as Faith yeah. and it's
0: amazing. To it's watch. so easy to understand who she is in this episode, even though she's being played by someone else. Um, and it's like, maybe that, maybe that scene is hokey, but like the scene where she's just making all the faces in the mirror, I love that scene so much. Like I could watch it all day. I just, it's so, it's just so fun. Like watching her. Yeah. Like everything that you're saying, like watching her in the bath, like watching her dress herself differently and like watching, you know, like push up her, her boobs and her like low cut shirt. It's just like all so amusing to me. Like I, in addition to being good for the story.
1: (laughs) Well, I think that's so telling because it's like, obviously this, like, serious story we're telling of like Buffy switches and Faith switch bodies but like it's also kind of like the the little things of like of course Faith is having fun with this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like adds kind of like a comedy element to it a little bit. Although I will say Faith's makeover on Buffy is like not a super flattering look on Buffy like
0: for her <laughs> I coloring. like mean I not like, but sure. <laughs>
1: it's like no because it's like Faith does her makeup the way she would but like she, or maybe it's like maybe I don't know maybe it's just like I'm just like applying Faith's drama to, like, Buffy's look. But I, but also, it's, like, a heavier makeup look than we're mm-hmm. used to seeing on Buffy, so I don't yeah. know.
0: But She yeah. did steal
1: the lipstick from Joyce, so I guess it's not that bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel... Okay, I feel like that's the gist of what I have to say about that, kind of the main meat of this story. Um Well, so going
1: back to, like, the... um Maybe if we... We were talking about, like, the physicality of it, but mm-hmm. I... I just noticed something because I was reading through, like, the Wikipedia stuff on this episode, mm-hmm. and apparently, like, the hair, like, so, Buffy's hair in this episode, mm-hmm. you know, it's, like, that very kind of crimped yeah. kind of look. So, according to Wikipedia, this is a, signi- a signifier in a Buffy episode that something is, like, slightly off, like... yeah. She has the same hair in Superstar. She had the same hair in Beer Bad when she was mm-hmm. like prehistoric. And then in Something Blue, she also had the hair. Interesting. So I'm wondering if it's like a random season four like styling change or is it just like Sarah Michelle Gellar's natural hair? Or if they were just like, oh, um, yeah, this is a, sign- a signifier no, that I, like uh, Buffy's different.
0: Uh, I think that's kind of a cheesy movie trope because they, I've seen that in a lot of things. By a lot of things, I mean they do that in the Veronica Mars movie (laughs) where her hair is very much a like goes along with the story throughout the movie where it's like when she's in New York, I assume you've seen that movie, it's like pinned straight and then it gets slowly curlier and curlier and curlier until the very end when she's like, it's like a lot more wavy. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I think that I I, kind of think that's I think that's a sort of obvious shorthand for like, oh, some yeah, like something's up or you're feeling more wild or something like that.
1: I mean, I feel like I would go with that, except, like, there are also episodes this season where they just, like, full-on, like, really curl Buffy's hair, and, like, I just feel like it's, like, oh, we've been doing this for four seasons, let's play around with the hair. Right, right, yeah, I
0: guess I'm, yeah, he's obviously a symbol for faith in this episode, but I don't, I'm not sure I buy it as a, like, as a whole thing. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Cause like also in *Beer ba- Bad*, they're doing a they're doing a Neanderthal look. So like yeah, her hair's crimpy. That's yeah, no styling tools.
1: <laughs> I I mean I kind of believe it in that like you know if it's like Faith just kind of let it air dry, but it's too nice for that. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't bother me, but like I just was like I don't know if I believe if it's like a full representation of like the story or just like a styling choice that they made. But I think it's both, um,
0: especially in this episode. But I feel like in the other ones it might just be more styling.
1: I know we were praising Sarah Michelle Gellar about her acting choices and Mm -hmm. while I think they're great I don't want to fully leave Eliza Dishku out of this because Mm. I do think that scene where she's like psyching herself up to drive (laughs) was really well done. Oh. Like because (laughs) it's such a great callback to to, like Buffy being a really bad driver but also like I just feel like Eliza Dishku really like I feel like she nailed a little bit of like the Sarah Michelle Gellar in that moment. So yeah, maybe I made a note of that scene one because I thought it was super funny, but also like that was the one time where like it didn't feel like she was kind of
0: overdoing it. Yeah, she didn't allow me, but I guess I I I feel like I must have been like spaced out for that scene or something. I don't really remember that at all.
1: Well, she like is escapes the impact. Watchers and then right, she's, right, like, like I behind the wheel and she's like she's like I can do this. I'm good at this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, I just still felt like the, uh, the impression that I got was like they wrote very Buffy dialogue for her. So she does come across more like Buffy, but it didn't feel like she was doing much of it. Uh, here's a funny thing about the Watchers. <laughs> I like that when they first start like arresting Buffy, so, so to speak, like shoving her in this van. They're like one guy sort of starts reading her these like Watcher Miranda oh, rights. Yeah. I'm like, why do you guys have this? <laughs> like, you're clearly everything you're doing is illegal. Like, you don't need to read someone their rights. Like, what? Yeah, that just cracked me up. I I like it. I think there's a funny detail in there, but I was just like, what are you doing?
1: Well, and then the other guy was like, don't bother. Yeah, I'm
0: like, yeah, don't (laughs) bother. Why does this even exist? (laughs) Yeah, but I I don't know. I don't, I guess I didn't, I didn't, because I'm so enamored with the whole Buffy-Faith storyline. I didn't really think that much about the Watchers in this episode, but it is definitely an interesting, you know, tidbit, kind of adding just background that I think they'll, um pull from late in future in the future seasons of Buffy that like yeah just kind of reestablishing how hardcore really the watchers are and how little they care for the slayers as humans not at all they they that do they care for them
1: well it's a, like very obvious they've come to view them as disposable which yeah. is kind of the whole reason Buffy was like I'm done with you but then this guy telling Faith that she perverted the watchers council or something is like yeah Okay, maybe because she turned into a murderer, but also, like, Buffy kind of had a hand in that, too, Because she and if by perverted you mean, like, removed your reason for existing. Right. Then,
0: it's know. interesting, too, though, because then, to your point, and I guess this is a... There's all, only because of the trappings of the show do they not go this way, but really they should have been trying to kill her, right? She's at risk, and she's replaceable. I guess they think they would do better with Two Slayers, I don't know. Well,
1: I think it's heavily implied that if they need to,
0: they will kill her. But why wouldn't that just be their first go-to? They've already got a Slayer. Or why are they not trying to kill Buffy so they can get someone more in line? I guess this they won't be able to kill her, to be fair. Because maybe
1: they have rules about killing humans. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. I like how Xander thinks Wetworks is scuba diving. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have things to say about the brown
0: scene. Several things. Okay. The first well, one yeah, is... No, we should- Talk about that. But the first brief thing is I, I think this is actually the second time that they've been in an episode, and or it might be the first, but the song, the band that we don't get to see, unfortunately, but that's playing in this episode is Nerf Herder. Just oh, really? Like to, just like to drop them whenever uh, pointed out when they're around. Yeah, they're the. Uh, Theme. They wrote the theme song for Buffy, and they also do the theme song for our podcast, Do It. Like, we. they did it for us. They'd have a song, and uh, we'd play it. <laughs>
1: we commissioned this, obviously.
0: Uh, um, but moving on, I assume... I, I mean, we have to talk about that Spike scene.
1: <laughs> so, okay, I... So I have a question for you, Jenny. Yeah. Do you think, then, that Faith is solely responsible for Spike's crush on Buffy? I
0: don't. <laughs> I had that thought, but no. I think that it's more so that... I, because I think, and uh, realistically, you and I have talked about this, if not on air, but also definitely on air. I mean, Spike has had a, an obsession with Buffy since the moment he saw her. What not? Not that necessarily right. it wasn't necessarily romantic from the beginning, but I I think it's not hard to see how he's going to make that journey anyway. I'm certain that this has an impact on that journey, but I don't. It's not the reason for it. I don't think. Well, I, I, I do feel if- like it's probably firing some synapses back in his brain that he's going to remember later but i don't feel like it's the reason well
1: i think a defining thing about spike's crush on buffy is like he's like really sort of like physically lusting after her right and i if this is not the catalyst for that it is definitely sort of a wake-up call to spike that perhaps because like the look on his face yeah after faith sort of taunts him is like Oh, oh my! my.
0: <laughs> like it's very much you know, the same thing gonna make. And he's, he's very make. angry and yeah. he's
1: frustrated, but it's also yeah. like it feels like if he didn't already, if he wasn't Realize already aware that, that yeah. he was having like thoughts like or like feelings like now he's very much like what was that? Yeah, like, I think
0: it's bringing something to the surface that was already there more yeah. than causing it.
1: But so maybe I mean, she's responsible for like his own that. awareness. But you're right, like she's not creating anything new about Buffy's obsession with or Spike's, Spike's obsession, obsession. with Buffy.
0: Yeah. But it is a very amusing scene. I got a little flush. <laughs> it's quite intense. <laughs> um, and as someone who ships them a little bit, it was I, I didn't hate it, even though I know what's going on. I mean, uh, this episode also has the like pretty explicit Willow and Tara scene. So <laughs> I, that one was the one that I forgot about. And I was like, oh, this episode is just like so let's, I was not prepared for that. Let's talk
1: about um, Willow and Tara <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah. this is definitely the episode where I want to say it shifts from subtext to like full on. Except it's still subtle it's still, enough that uh, like um, if you don't not. have faith calling it no no I'm not talking about the scene where they oh, do this okay, stuff I'm okay, talking okay. about like <laughs>
0: that's, uh, everything else subtle. leading up to that like Willow's
1: <laughs> conversation with Tara yes, where yes. she's saying I like having something that's like a non-Slayer part of my life right, or that's right, something right. that's mine and Tara says I'm yours and like it still sounds like it could be like a really intense friendship but like mm. a friendship um, until you have faith, meet. Hold up, I'll get there. Until you have faith, meeting Tara, yeah. and Faith is the first to notice, like discern that yeah. perhaps this is not just like
0: they're not just friends. a
1: friendship, um, which I think is interesting to note because one, she's also the first to notice this because Buffy hasn't met Tara yet, right? Um, but also Faith notices it because she's kind of on the outside, and then also like the other two that are the first to notice it are like. Oz when he comes back and then um Spike as well. So Yeah. I do think it's interesting that like Willow's friends are still kind of oblivious to it, but like Faith is the first one that's like, "Oh, okay, so this is what's going on." But I but I do think without that spell scene it's still left a little bit ambiguous Mm. until you get to that spell scene. And it's like, okay, they're doing a spell, but, like...
0: I don't think anything about this episode was... What are they? But it's like...
1: And also, I think the juxtaposition of that scene with the one of um, Riley and Faith having sex is, like... leaves, Like, just erases any ambiguity. And it's like, oh, this is just because they couldn't air a lesbian sex scene at, like, 8 8 p.m. on, like, you know, a Tuesday night in, like, 2000. Yeah cuz everything else about it like like well, Tara and, uh, and Willow during that yeah. spell I was just like I mean and it's wow. a shame because it's a
0: while before they're going to get to have an on-screen kiss and that's definitely because of like the time and the networks and things yeah. that you weren't weren't allowed but to do But if they can't
1: kiss they definitely can't have sex. Right, right,
0: right. But I'm saying that like it is a shame that they don't get to have that but at the same time as as before sometimes like sometimes the symbolic things are as I was I think I was more not I don't want to say I'm embarrassed but like that scene was like also quite like caused me to blush a little bit in a way that i think if it had been explicit i actually would have been like yeah sure whatever like i've seen a million sex scenes in tv shows but i rarely see like orgasms <laughs> you know like something about that one was like I, as much as like it's funny because by trying to force them to be like more subtle and not allowing them to air certain things they d- kind of make it more explicit not, not explicit in the sense that like It's happening literally, but explicit in the sense that like (laughs) X-rated, you know, it's not X-rated, but it's like it is. It's like Before Horn, they get into yeah. the
1: spell, like, Tara's, like, it's really intense, and it just sounds like it's going to be, like, a really difficult spell for them to do, and mm-hmm. then you watch them start doing the spell, and even though they're just kind of sitting next to each other, and there's, like, you know, No, they're, like, panting everywhere. and sweating out. Like, I think you're yeah, being very is, innocent like, about this. No, 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 they're, 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 like, sitting next to each other, and, and there's, like, you know, lights in a circle and everything, and you're, like, oh, okay, they're doing a spell, and it looks difficult, and then you're, like, wait a second, like this is going in a different direction
0: yeah and
1: i think it's just heavily implied that like even even maybe for them it's not like a physical thing but it's definitely their first kind of like sexual
0: yeah encounter experience
1: together yeah like the magic is turning it like because they're not physically touching each other beyond like you know putting their hands together but like it's clear that they're sharing this experience right so hmm. yeah you're right in that if it had been more explicit it might not be as effective but it was de- it's definitely one of those things where you're watching it and then you get to the end of that scene and you're like okay
0: yeah <laughs> like, yeah
1: this is maybe the most explicit love scene we've seen on the show today. yeah I guess like, that's
0: what I'm saying is it's like and it, and I I want to be fair that like it uh, it's not like oh how it worked out better for them because it's really unfair the way that Uh, we've only been able to show straight sex scenes and that's totally wrong. And I'm glad that we're more or less in a place in TV where that's not true as much, but at the same. Yeah. But I, I just like, it is sometimes when you're not able to do the thing that would be easier, it does force you to be kind of more creative in ways that are equally effective. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, I have some, okay. So I want to go back to the, to the statement that you made or not necessarily the statement, but the thought that that we were talking about about how faith is the first one to notice And and that all the people that are going to notice first are people that haven't been, aren't part of the core Scooby gang anymore. It's interesting because on the one hand, I I, I think it works on a lot of levels, mostly because I think that that is just kind of true. You know, the way like it's just harder sometimes, like when you see someone every day, like you don't notice subtle changes to their appearance or to their behavior because you're just getting kind of slow. You're just slowly getting used to it all the time. So I, I do feel like in that way, it makes sense that maybe her closest friends wouldn't wouldn't necessarily go there because they just have been you don't question your friends in that same way maybe um so like on that sense I think it does make sense that having a straight an outsider come in it's just it's more apparent to them because they haven't seen you in a long time um but the other thing that's interesting is that it's also really underscoring this the way that their group has been like kind of not falling apart exactly but growing apart in this whole season you know they're Like, you pointed out that, like, Buffy hasn't even met Tara. That's one of the reasons that she hasn't noticed. And so, like, there's stuff like that. And I guess that's really the main thing is that they're also just not involved in each other's lives right now.
1: Yeah, it's underscoring this distance and separation, whereas, like, maybe they wouldn't notice it outright. But, like, in a normal—if we go back to how it used to be, like— Willow would have just told Buffy because why not? But also also it's very telling what Willow is saying in the beginning of the episode to Tara where she's saying, I just want something that's my own. It's like, that is a new thought as well. And like, I think that's just part of growing up, right? Is like, you sort of kind of keep your core interactions in place, Mm -hmm. but you also like start to explore directions on your own as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So it makes total sense. But, like, I think you're right. I think it's another example, and it's very effective of, like, you know, Xander's not going to figure this out for a couple episodes. Yeah. And he's going to be totally surprised. But it's, like, one, Xander's oblivious. But, two, how would he know? Because he and Willow are barely spending any time together. So I think you're right. It works on both levels, and I love that. I mean, that's why I think, you know, I keep coming back to it, and I'm, like, The more I watch this season and it has its problems, but the more I'm like really impressed with like, it's very effective at the same time.
0: It is. And I'm really, I I had that thought, shoot, I should have written down my thought as I always should. But yeah, increasingly I'm impressed with this this season and it just, it surprised me a lot how much when we started drilling into it, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of good stuff here.
1: Absolutely, and I do want to bring up. Um, we had a, a reader write in and yeah, clarify something for that. us, which I think I had heard before, but I forgot. I started and it reading, was like yeah. a very excellent point to make because we have complained a lot about how the big um, Bad. letdown of this season is <laughs> oh. Adam, and the and it's in fact the villain is the worst part of the whole season. But she did bring up the fact that apparently it was supposed to be Maggie Walsh, but yeah. um, Lindsey Kraus the actress who mm-hmm. played Maggie Walsh um, asked to be released from her contract early. So they were sort of scrambling to kind mm-hmm. of figure out, okay, what do we do now? And so I think Adam replaced her as sort of a surrogate of like, he has her notes and memories and all right. of that, but, but, but it, it ends up becomes not working this clunky at all. kind yeah. of metaphor that isn't like, whereas I think if, you know, Maggie Walsh had stayed alive and we see a little bit more of like her intentions and since we've been with her from the beginning, it, yeah. it works a
0: little bit better. Yeah. But,
1: but I want to cut the show some slack because, like, sometimes you like yep. you've got to work with what yeah. you can. So. I mean, it was
0: the same with Oz in this season too, where it's like some of these stories yeah. that are not—you you can tell that they're just like a little bit underbaked—and it's like, well, sometimes that's the hand, right? That the you're rush dealt. on yeah. like how
1: Oz got exited from the show, mm-hmm. but I also think that that storyline is the gateway into like Tara and Willow. So in the long run.
0: It's yeah, great. it's maybe for the um, best. Yeah, you could also
1: look at it as you know um, them deciding to uh, remove Doyle from Angel as well.
0: Yeah. Um, you
1: know, so it opens doors for things. It's just I think in this particular case, the thing that came through the door was uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of a letdown.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean I don't know what would have made more sense. So like I I I think there's still things that they could have done differently. But yeah, I I definitely can I can see how like an episode a season with Maggie Walsh as the villain could have been really fantastic. Um, And I think then, yeah, maybe season four wouldn't kind of have the reputation that it does of of sort of being a slog, even because as we're talking about it, it's not a slog at all. It just falls apart at the end. But may,
1: do you think also that it's benefiting from the um, com- the juxtaposition with Angel season one? <laughs> like <laughs> we're watching these episodes no. next to each other, so we're like, "Oh, this is way better." No, I don't <laughs> think
0: that that's why. I because because like an episode like this, like we've been ex- excited to talk about this. I I've always been excited to talk about this episode. We were excited about Hush, and there's just been so many yeah. little gems. And and again, I think the thing that we've talked about a lot is how. It, on the surface, it does seem like oh they they, re- they lose their footing because they're in college and the show writers don't know what to do. But actually, when we we're talking about it, I feel like they had a really good plan, and it was we're going to drive the Scooby- we're like yeah. we're going to we are going to work through this, and it, it yeah it is a little bit awkward, but mostly they've really had a tight plan on what that means for the main characters. Like it hasn't that part hasn't been sloppy.
1: Like I think about. The full execution of this. And I'm thinking ahead where I'm thinking about where we are now, Mm -hmm. where everything feels, even if it's not called out yet, like, there's still this, like, kind of feeling of everything's a little bit splintered, right? Yeah. And then I think ahead to the premiere of season five and the first scene. And I'm like, like, it's just night and day. And yeah. I love it. Like, yeah. like, right now, this is... And I love that it's a totally natural thing to have happen. Like, yeah. you know, people kind of get absorbed in their own lives. and But then I also love that it sort of directly contributes to a lot of these things that happen in yeah. the season and I, and I think it's really well done and I'm going to stop saying that because it's like I feel yeah. like a broken record I know, but I, I just I'm just more and more, honestly I'm just so appreciative of yeah. this season
0: and I do think this is the thing that we've talked about too us forcing ourselves to watch it week to week rather than binging it is also helping yeah. I think in this particular season because when you binge something like this it's harder to feel characters growing apart when you're watching hours at a time back to back you just don't feel right. that distance quite as much as a viewer so I think that that's also well, a Well, I think it's forced
1: me to think about it more. Yeah,
0: and, um. yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm giving it a level of attention that I have not yeah, in the yeah, past. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true.
0: Uh, all that being said, I mean, we've obviously touched on this, but like, what is Adam even doing in this episode? Just reminding us that Ugh. he's there, but it was very annoying. His, his, his little spiel didn't make any sense. Like the vampires themselves were kind of amusing and I was fine with that final showdown, but like, what, Adam? Like, you're not all of a sudden it's, really into vampires. Like, you hate everyone and they're definitely stupid compared to you. So like, nothing about this makes sense as a plan.
1: I mean, like his... Monologue to the vampires no. is kind of a continuation of like his philosopher mode yeah, of like yeah. I'm trying to figure out what makes you tick and but like, like why vampire. You know,
0: you know but I don't know.
1: I agree that like he's purely there as a plot device and for us to not forget about him yeah.
0: because they don't want why, him to be missing. Like, there's for no reason two to three that episodes.
1: this vampire takeover, of the church couldn't just be like a random vampire thing. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um,
1: anyway. But anyway, at the end of the episode, Faith is not gone forever, but she's
0: running away sunnydale
1: so yeah oh and we will
0: (laughs) yeah sorry and we touched on this too but like not only does she sleep with buffy's boyfriend but that's the first time that riley tells her he loves her and that is pretty pain i think that's the thing that gets me more than anything and it's and and the funny thing is that buffy doesn't even know about that at least not yet you know like the thing that she is upset about is the actual sleeping together when it's like really she stole this much more intimate moment from from you and you never get that back
1: (laughs) that's true and I don't know if that ever kind of comes up, but I, I, does, I do but... really love Riley's response yeah. to this whole thing when Buffy realizes what happened and and Riley realizes it too. But I feel like his response is just very matter of fact and like kind of, I love it because he's like, she's like, you slept with her. And he's like, I slept with you. Yeah. Like Riley had no reason to think it wasn't Buffy. Yeah. Like, she was acting a little odd, but like... Why wouldn't he assume that? So he's like, and it sucks for both of them. Yeah, because like, they really no
0: one's Buffy's done anything. Trust wrong. Trust has
1: been shattered, but Riley's
0: done nothing wrong. Yeah. So and then, I mean, and, and know, I also appreciate that this is gonna come. That's gonna linger in the season too. You know, like that. That's not the end well, of that story either.
1: <laughs> leads us into the brilliant episode of next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but can we also talk about that scene at the end because I just really love Buffy's outfit. Okay sure in that scene where she's not to jump from the serious to the Mm -hmm. superficial but that scene where she and riley are talking kind of like knit halter top she has Mm. on with like the green pants i'm very into it i'm like "Mm." (laughs) yeah i I want to wear that myself i won't i wouldn't look as good but like you know because i feel like sarah michelle geller and i might be the same height Maybe. But I don't know where She's she gets small. her pants because, yeah. like, they always seem to be the right length and they Well, they, <laughs> they
0: have tailors on the set, same way. Allie. Allie. Allie, they have a whole costume department.
1: <laughs> I know. If, are they, like, shortening yes, the pants? Yes, they're the definitely hemming hand? her pants. Of course. No, no, no. Not hemming. Like, this is the main problem of being a short person. It's not the hem mm. it, that's a problem, but it's also Fair. the length they, from the hip to the knee.
0: Regardless, they're the definitely. The knees always hit me on my shin. They're definitely <sighs> altering her clothes. Yeah. Anyway. Do you want to move on to Angel?
1: Yeah. Are we, are, are we, are uh, we done? Sorry. I, I, I moved that from quickly from serious to uh fashion roundup. Yeah. But. Uh,
0: I mean, I don't think I have any more notes.
1: Um, yeah, let's talk about Angel and the episode that I did not hate. And
0: I didn't remember either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the funniest thing, well, <laughs> I'll save that thought. So yeah. So moving on to Angel, this episode called the ring, very ambiguous. Could have meant a lot of things. Um, so basically in this episode, you know, at the begin, as, as is always the case, somebody shows up frantically to Angel Investigations with some sort of problem and sob story. And so the team like hops right on it, uh, believing, just taking this guy's word that he really has a problem and that they need to go look for it. I, uh, But of course, that guy... I forget his name, even though he was one of the main characters in this episode was not actually looking for help. He was trying to set angel up to get him trapped into this like underground demon fighting ring that this guy runs in LA that for obviously they place where very wealthy people are placing very high stakes bets and it's a profitable endeavor for him. So angel ends up trapped. They have this magical enchanted bracelet that makes it so that he can't leave and they force him to fight other demons to the death. Um, while, you know, as this is going on, Angel is trying really hard, you know, he's reformed and he doesn't like killing people or demons. He's trying really hard not to participate, but it's it becomes very difficult for him. And he does get in a fight in the ring and kill a, a demon. Um, but the rest of the time he's trying really hard to convince every other, um, demon that's enslaved there that they need to band together and that they don't have to do this thing. Um, Luckily for Angel, he now has a competent core team (laughs) in the form of Cordelia and Wesley. And so once he's been missing for a while, they decide to start looking for him and try and figure out what's gone wrong. And they find out what's happened and where he is. They devise um, Wesley helps put together some sort of also magical enchantment that's going to break the um, like bonds that are holding Angel and the other demons there. And eventually with their help, they set Angel and a bunch of and all the other demons free and kill the bad guy. The other thing of note in this episode is that we are are introduced to this character, Lila, who works for Wolfram and Hart. Um, I forgot to mention this in the middle of that little summary. But at one point after Angel is enslaved in this fighting ring, she actually does get him out and offers to basically buy his way out of the ring except that he's going to have to agree to these conditions which are basically that he can't go after Wolfram and Hart or like he he can continue doing good in LA as long as he doesn't step on their toes um, and he obviously doesn't agree to this despite the fact that it does mean that he's going to be thrown back into this fighting ring
1: Is it that he can't go up against Wolfram and Hart or he can't try to end this like fighting ring? I think it was That's both I, I think understand. it
0: was both because I don't know why Lila would care well maybe the ring is one of Lila's clients I would assume either way I think
1: or like is it implied that Wolfram and Hart is sort of running the ring because they
0: also buy his contract I don't think they're running it no I think they're just it's a place where all their wealthy clients are involved and it's a thing I think they're just tangentially involved in it I don't think that they run it so
1: then why does this guy want to lure Angel into the ring
0: because he knows that he's powerful and he'll be good for business
1: right but is that because of Wolfram and Hart probably
0: yeah yeah, well, this was my but, confusion I mean, about the I don't premise, think that's confusing, but... though. Like, Lila is a regular there. She's the one, pla- she's placing bets there all the time. I don't think it's weird to say that she's probably that guy, the, the main character whose name I should have bothered to look up. Um, who was the guy who came pleading to him? Is it, like, Vinny or Jack? Vince or something? Oh, no, his Jack brother. Jack the brother. His brother. Darren. That doesn't even sound familiar to me. Anyway, I think he's probably a Wolferman. Heart client because he needs help like laundering his money or whatever. So, like, I think they're involved and they would, yeah, they have contact and they're like running in the same circles. So,
1: this is a very one off episode. Like, it's not mm, super yeah. playing into the arcs. I mean, we barely even get any mention of like the last episode other than the fact that like they try, they to, try call to call Kate, Kate and yeah. she has like no time to deal with like yeah. where Angel is. And it's like very contained. Like, Angel plays hero and like it's like Angel's kind of Spartacus moment, sort of, mm-hmm. of like, let's free all the slaves fighting in the arena um, or is that gladiator I don't know um, but I think you're right in that for me it was like okay the introduction of like Lila and um, that's important mm-hmm. for a few episodes down the line but also like Wesley and Cordelia kind yeah. of learning how to work together I
0: mean that was um, obviously my favorite part of do know where
1: this demon database was supposed to come from oh
0: that's a good question
1: like who's who's
0: populating this right like I don't know all the uh, what are they called uh <laughs> What is Jenny Calendar? Pa- techno-pagans. Oh, All the techno-pagans. Techno-pagans. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if she existed, she would have been running something. If she was still alive, she'd be doing something like that. But It's it is true. A- there are,
1: like, other little pocket groups probably fighting demons. Yeah. Um, I do love the end of this episode where, like, you were talking about Angel doesn't want to kill a demon, but I think it's because he views the demon in this instance as, like, innocent. Whereas, yeah, well, like, it, it is. Yeah. He has no problem killing demons who are attacking him.
0: <sighs> well, yeah, but I think that that's... I think that's fair. You know, yeah. he's been put into this terrible situation. So, okay, I I, I feel like we're jumping around and I want to talk about a couple things specifically. Uh, the first thing has nothing... To, <laughs> the first thing is just that I'm... sure that there's also literally an episode of bones where David Boreanaz is is like involved in a fighting ring. Not obviously there's less supernatural things going on, but I swear to God, he gets in like a boxing ring and has to similarly like as an under, because he's undercover has to like prove himself in this. It's a very similar plot line to an episode of bones is what I'm saying. I like it. He does it well, but that was funny. Um, But yeah, so I I think one of the things that I liked about this episode is it was kind of a return to this like, oh, Angel is the is the part of the Buffy universe where it's sort of this they're living out this like noir, you know, fiction. And this one felt a little bit more like that, you know, like it just seemed like they had their ducks in a row more stylistically and like thematically, you know, like it was a dark episode, but not like creepy in the way that some of the Angel episodes have come off, like not creepy in a good way where they're making a point, but just like accidentally really unsettling, you know? So I feel like this one was just more like structured and together. It was less sloppy than the other ones. But I think part of that was it's like, yeah, we got to have more of those, like a guy burst through your PI glass door, you know, door with a glass window on it. And just kind of these more like typical um, features. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but then I think, Unsurprisingly, my favorite thing about this episode was watching Wesley and Cordelia, like watching them, as I said, kind of grow into more competent characters and growing into a team where they're learning how to play off of one another's strengths. I think like in particular that scene where they're trying to they steal someone's ticket so that they can get into the fight and they're pretending to be like LAPD officers was like was oh, yeah, not very that's believable great. but it was so fun to watch that you know like Cordelia gets this idea and Wesley decides to go along with it and it's like a little bit awkward but they also totally make it work like that was just that was wonderful how is Cordelia
1: not booking acting jobs is what I want to know that's a great point I thought she was great <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> she was I mean and then similarly like when Wesley's trying to figure out how to um make this tool to like break the spell on the shackles that they have at this demon ring, you know, like, Cordelia. I mean, I guess this is less of a, like, real character moment, but, like, you know, Cordelia, like, has, knows the perfect horsehair thread that he needs. Like, they're just really playing off of one another. I think they made a big point of that in this episode to watch the way that they were interacting.
1: Yeah. It was definitely the highlight of the episode. Yeah. Um, I could have watched the Cordelia Wesley show. Me too. I
0: mean, I, I, that's all I want. It, it, this is going to turn into that at some point. A little bit. I hope. <laughs> I also, you know, I I know that we say this a lot too that like I knew that I liked Wesley and Angel. I didn't realize how much I liked him, <laughs> but this is this is also new to me. In the way that like season 4 of Buffy is surprising me in all kinds of new good ways. Like also Wesley and Angel, like I did not realize how how strongly I felt about him. And I really enjoyed getting to see him in a suit at the end of this episode in a way that <laughs> I um, was removed from its, like, high school creepiness, now I just get to enjoy Wesley the adult in an adult suit.
1: (laughs) I have been telling you for years. (laughs) I I think it helps, too, because, like, the initial interactions between Cordelia and Wesley were just kind of creepy, right? Because, like, she is still a high school student, Mm -hmm. but I think especially now because she's out of that environment, but also because, like, Charisma Carpenter never really looked that believable as a high school student. Like,
0: she just feels like an adult.
1: It's easy to forget that Cordelia is supposed to be, like, 19. Mm -hmm. So, like, and even though they're not going in a romantic direction with them, like, their interactions just feel more natural and more normal because, like, it doesn't have that, like, creep factor that it used to. (laughs) Yeah. And so, therefore, Wesley doesn't as well. Yeah. So... I think that's part of it. Plus, you know, he's he's loosening up a little bit like he's, you know, less, you know, calm over or whatever and more like just kind of.
0: Yeah. But I mean, and again, we get to see that, like he he is still faltering at some things. But like at one point when they broke into the ring, he like, you know, he's he's being pretty badass, like shooting down this um, Darren guy. You know, I don't know. I just, like, like Wesley is also involved, heavily involved in the combat from pretty early on. And, like, he's not mm-hmm. always as good at it, but he's definitely, like, brave and willing to just go into the fight in ways that he wasn't, you know, a few months ago.
1: Also, I think that this episode is notable in that, you know, this is something we were talking about where Angel really kind of opens up to the world of demons mm, in a way mm-hmm. that even though she's fighting them on a weekly basis, Buffy doesn't. Yeah. Like, it's we don't as much see the world from the demon perspective right. on Buffy. Whereas here, even though the demons aren't the ones running this, this um, fighting ring, they are the ones directly affected by it. And we see yeah. a demon perspective that isn't like, I'm doing a ritual to end the world, or I want to just randomly kill you. It's like, these demons are victims as well. Yeah. Um, And that's a perspective that we haven't really seen yet, and um, it's something that we'll continue to confront on Angel of like demons as like a just or that we have seen in the past of like demons is just a different type of like person. Yeah, I just think that's really notable. Like it's just really Angel and you know as frustrated as i've been with this first season i do really appreciate that it is trying to slowly build out a yeah, world of yeah. like la is this anchor but also like we you know we've already been in she we got introduced to like portals and like yeah you know we're true, starting to true. see the broader world involved and i think this episode kind of really helps get us to that perspective where the humans are the bad guys here
0: yeah well and i think that that i think is a great point that one of the also probably one of the reasons why we enjoyed this episode more is because they are like fine again like they are finding their footing a little bit in this as much as it is a one-off episode it is also like i think angel is at its strongest when they're treating the demons more like the main characters you know like it's just more interesting because otherwise what is it? It's just a rehash of Buffy, but a sort of worse one. Whereas now, like I think that particular shift is the thing that really distinguishes is one of the things that really distinguishes the shows from each other. So it's like, it's good that they figured that they're figuring. It seems like this is when they're, maybe they're starting to figure that out with this episode. I honestly don't remember what the next episode is either. So who knows, but
1: right. Maybe it's like this thing where they're kind of just trying to see what sticks. Like we start out with like the first episode um, we do meet um, kind of Wolferman Hart lawyers and kind of get introduced to that, yeah. and they've slowly been in the background, but not not in a way that would suggest they're going to become more important. Yeah. Um, so we've had Wolferman Hart, we've had little demons here and there. We've had episodes where Angel appears to be like a noir TV show. We have episodes where it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, bungling cop show. We've had one, you know, it's like I think they just aren't figuring it out. But I think the through line through all of it is okay. Like the demons are operating. It's a slightly different world because you're right. Like, otherwise, even if they land on like Nora Cop Show or something, it's still the same thing of like, they're just fighting demons every week. Yeah. Whereas this kind of is like a different approach to like the threat of evil in the world, you know?
0: And that, yeah, and I I did really like that like kind of closing scene where they're like oh we just let a bunch of demons out like yeah. oh, oh, oh oh well <laughs> like, like I mean, in the can, moment yeah. you're doing
1: a good thing and then it's like we're gonna have to mop up some of this mess later yeah. <laughs>
0: but also I think yeah that like recognizing that just because these pe- people are demons they're not necessarily gonna just go commit crimes
1: <laughs> or maybe they get st- they got stuck here and they want to go back to the right, they wanna, yeah
0: that's a good point yeah. I mean that's more or less all I have to say about this <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I feel bad because I feel like we talked about Buffy for like an hour and then we just gave like a small a small glimpse at Angel. But I, I do think that this this particular episode is while, like we just mentioned, has some implications um, for the show overall. Like mm-hmm. it's still a very slight episode, you know. Yeah.
0: A I mean, like I think it's not surprising that we, neither of us remembered this episode. But yeah, now that we've seen it, maybe I'll remember it more as a like maybe this is the episode one of the episodes where Angel, the show, is finding itself. But past that, no, I don't think it's super impactful. (laughs) Fun, fun.
1: Okay, so what do we have coming up? We've got Superstar.
0: Yeah, that'll be exciting, too.
1: How excited are you? Good.
0: I forgot that was even in this season until, like, last week when I was looking into the upcoming episodes.
1: Yep. Emmy and Oscar winner Jonathan.
0: Yeah. Um, That's not his real (laughs) name. Jonathan no. didn't win an Oscar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is his yeah, name? Yeah, what is his name? Oops.
0: Uh oh. Uh, Danny. Danny Strong. Danny Strong. Oh. Danny Strong. Phew. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. I was said, like Doyle, but that's his character on Gilmore Girls. So. Oh yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, and confusing because of the Doyle and Angel, mm-hmm. but yes. Yeah, so. We get a very delightful episode of Buffy. And then I also don't remember what the Angel episode is about. It's called Eternity. Yeah. But we'll see. I plan to be surprised. Yep. We'll find yep. out. That is actually the fun of Angel. It can still surprise me in a That's way true. Buffy cannot. That's true.
0: That's true.
1: <laughs> just because of my unfamiliarity with some of these early episodes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Do you have any pop culture
0: for the week? No, I don't. I don't really either. I've just been watching a lot of Bones. <laughs>
1: It sounds like it. I, I really you like Bones. You've got a parallel for every episode of Angel. Not every episode. Um, I wonder if David Boreanaz was like, you know, one time on Angel. I know.
0: It's kind of funny. I guess it's just a trope in television that I'm not aware of, but
1: I don't know. <laughs> okay, so what team are you on this
0: week? I'm going to be Team Faith. I think what? she needs it this week. <sighs> and she's she's... I want to encourage this journey that she's on.
1: Okay, well, I agree about that part but i think i'm gonna be team tara that's fair too because yeah that's true because <laughs> i can't be team wesley again so i know
0: <laughs> so <laughs> obviously that's my first choice I, i'm pretty sure it's just team wesley from here on out i'm gonna even forget about spike it's just like oh right wesley, wesley i'm gonna wesley.
1: write that in permanent marker well, <laughs> Team Wesley. team wesley yeah <laughs>
0: yeah uh, all right
1: all well right. i will talk to you next time okay bye Once More With Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the
0: album Rockingham by Nerf Herder.
1: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwc podcast.
0: You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.